Welcome to season two of the LNS District. We're glad you're joining us today. We are your host, Lillian and Sharon, and together we're the LNS District. We are representing the community of international students and immigrant professionals. We are here to share our thought-provoking experiences, the experiences of guests, and topics that will help you navigate and adjust to this new life and mindset on your global student journey. You know what? So step into the LNS district community. We are not legal advisors or representatives. We expect you to check for updates through the USCIS website as international students or immigrant professionals, as well as contact your international office as needed. So hi, guys. Welcome to another exciting episode of the LNS District Podcast. And this season, we're kind of focusing a lot on networking. And today we have an amazing guest with us. But then we're going to start with, you know, a little quote and we'll get right into it. Yes, yes, yes. So on this episode, the quote is by Cicely Tyson, who just recently passed away. Um, The quote goes like this. Challenges make you discover things about yourself that you never really knew. They are what makes the instrument stretch, what makes you go beyond the norm. That's very loaded. Um, For me personally, moving here, I think this is literally a summary of my entire journey because moving here kind of like put me in uncomfortable positions that kind of forced me to really understand the kind of person I am and kind of forced me to, you know, evolve. Um, Even though it's under pressure and like it's not by choice, I think it really helped me, you know, kind of stretch myself a bit more and um, fully understand what makes Lillian Lillian. So, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Debrina? Um, I think I kind of have the same experience as Lillian, but I think for me, it's also, um, I could tie it to my, um, you know, my, my journey from, you know, from school through, you know, through the professional career, especially, um, you know, applying for jobs and uh, getting rejected. So, unfortunately, <laughs> not that many people talk about the, the rejections. And uh, even though, you know, we all get them, uh, we actually get more rejections uh, than acceptances, right, when we apply for, for jobs. Um, and I think that's one thing that has really driven me um, when I get a rejection. Obviously, you know, I, you know, I, I would be upset for a day, maybe. Um, depends, you know, how much I wanted the job at the time. Um, but then it, 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 the, the rejection itself will actually motivate me, um, you know, to, to do something more in, in a way, you know, like, okay, I'll show you, like, you know, you will regret you didn't hire me later down the road. Um, so um, that's how, you know, I have been like motivating myself, you know, through, the, through that job search, you know, career sort of development. Um, and of course, it's, you know, it's challenging and then, you know, you have to better yourself. You have to understand, um, you know, why you were rejected. Obviously, sometimes it's just because the algorithm, so there's nothing, you know, really, you cannot do much there. But when you get to the last stages of, you know, like that, you know, that interview process, you know, you went through five interviews and um, for whatever reason, sometimes it's just like, you know, you didn't click with the hiring manager, you know, simple things like that. All it has nothing to do with you, with your qualifications, but, you know, you don't get that job. And uh, for me, that's a motivation basically uh, for for myself uh, to, you know, kind of like, okay, I'll I'll show you, you will regret you, you didn't hire me. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think that's uh, you know that's my interpretation of the, the quote. Wow, that's um, that's amazing. Um, I think with um, what both of you have said, I totally um, resonate with it. And um, definitely challenges, no matter how small they are, they always make you um, discover new sides of yourself. Um, I mean, like through a pandemic, like, you know, we've all like survived in one way or the other. So I think that's like, you know, a plus and, you know, going on now we can like say hey you know what if we survive this like COVID-19 and pandemic <laughs> we can do a lot more and we can you know put our minds to anything and like achieve it so I definitely agree and I think this is like the story of many international students as well because you know we come with like mindsets you know to challenge us you know from leaving our home country to come to a different country you know understand different things blend into the culture you know there's different sides of you that begins to come out and then you have all those goals and you have to learn how to like assimilate and which one is going to fall into different places um so yeah i, I think that was an amazing amazing quote um so on this episode we have an amazing 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 immigration attorney who was once an international student with us um she's going to tell you all about herself but she's been on a past life event and she gave so much advice to like the people who joined on the event she i'm sure you may have seen her on linkedin sharing all the great things for like international students to watch out for so i'm gonna let dobrina introduce herself well thank you thank you for uh, for that introduction and for having me today uh, my name is Sabrina Ustum and uh, I'm an immigration attorney. Um, my office is in Dallas, Texas, but uh, obviously I'm a practicing immigration that allows me to um, you know, help people and work with people throughout the United States and outside the United States as well. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of background information about myself. So originally I'm from Bulgaria. And um, I moved to the United States in 1999. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been some time, uh, about uh, 20 something years, 21. Um, as an international student, um, I finished my high school here, uh, last three years of high school. Um, Although I had to go one year back uh, to, to learn English. So when I came, I didn't know English. So I had, so, you know, they put me uh, one year, year back. Um, so one year of you know English, and then I joined uh, you know 11th and 12th grade uh, for high school here, and then after that I um, I went to college, uh, graduated uh, from uh, Southern Methodist University here in Dallas, and um, I graduated with a double major, uh, violent performance and international relations, um, kind of very different. But <laughs> but that's what I decided to do. And then after I graduated um, my bachelor's, I worked on OPT <laughs> for a year. And then um, I went to um, I, I went to law school um, in San Diego, and I graduated law school 2011. Um, it was really bad year at the time for, I mean, I think for everybody because of the financial crisis and, uh, you know, the, the, there were no jobs and, you know, people just didn't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> um, and then um, after that, I was uh, in a way lucky to, to find my first job 2012. Um, started working as a um, 
immigration attorney for um, in-house for uh, Infosys Limited. Uh, it's an Indian consulting company here in Dallas. I mean, in, in Plano, uh, suburb of Dallas. And from there, I, I stayed there for a year or I think it was a year, a year and a few months. Then I went to another company uh, as an in-house immigration attorney for a year. And then after that, I started my, uh, my practice. So end of 2014, beginning of 2015, um, I opened up my practice. So that's, in short, that's, that's my, my journey. <laughs> Wow, that's, no, that's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's really amazing. And um, yeah, we just love to see like, you know, people who have like come from like, you know, a different country and really like doing like really, really amazing things. So like we celebrate you 100%. <laughs> Thank and I, you. I, I love the fact that like you are showing a different progression of the international student journey because um, a lot of people don't know, a lot of people don't see the other side of like, you know, after graduation, after searching for a job, like there is, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. So I love hearing that, you know, you made it and you opened your own practice and that's inspiring. Um, So what, if you could like, explain your international student experience how would you explain that so um i guess initially when i when i came i mean when i came i was 16 years old so the, <laughs> uh, and i didn't speak english so for the first for the first year as a you know international student i don't really have anything to say because i had no idea what was going on <laughs> simple as that um, and then um, my second year, so that's high school. Uh, my second year, obviously, you know, I've learned English. I took, you know, I had to take TOEFL and, uh, you know, started to understand better, you know, what is it to be an international student. Um, and uh, but even even at that point, you know, in high school, you don't it doesn't really register much because, you know, I was in a boarding school. So, you know, we were there was a lot of help provided for us, you know, as a high school students. And um, also at the time, um, you know, the immigration laws <laughs> were, you know, slightly, slightly better, I want to say, um, for, for international students. For example, I clearly remember um, you know, my college counselor at the at the school, they said, okay, you know, time to apply for college, you will need social security number. And it's like, okay, you know, we're taking a field trip to the social security office to get your social security number. I'm like, okay, great. So that's how, you know, that's how easy it was to even, you know, to get a social security number at the time. So that was uh, before obviously 9-11, everything changed after yeah. that. So even, you know, even things like, yeah, social security was, you know, one of those things, okay, you know, you just go and get a social security because now I have to apply for college and, you know, it's better to have social security for those applications. Great. Um, so that was, you know, that in high school, as I said, not really, like, I couldn't really understand what it was to be an international student. Um, and then uh, when I, you know, when I, um, you know, when I got to college, then it started i started to understand slightly better <laughs> what what it was what it meant and um my university like a lot of universities uh they have the international student center and we were you know as an international student we were introduced to um to the, the international student center day one and we were told you know you if you have any questions these are the things you know you, you can address with them this is how they can help uh, or, or help 
um, and um, you know everything that you do you have to consult with them so that you don't work without authorization or you don't you know you don't do things that um, will jeopardize your F1 status. So at that point, I kind of, you know, it started clicking for me <laughs> that, oh, okay, there is that thing, international student, and I was one of them, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that was, you know, my first year of college. And then obviously, as I yeah, started um, kind of, you know, even, you know, understanding even better, um, yeah, I started visiting the International Student Center um, just to talk to the advisors and see like, okay, you know, what can, what can I do? Like, you know, can I work? Can I not work? Obviously, the answer was no. At some point, you know, I used to call them the department of no. <laughs> 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 because yeah because it doesn't matter what you you know what i've asked them the answer was always no so um uh, so yeah so that was you know that was kind of my first sort of interaction um with with the international student center and uh, understanding better what it was um but you know they were uh, for the most part you know they were helpful to kind of keep you you know uh, keep you in check you know basically that you know you don't fall out of status you don't get expelled you um you know if, if you work on campus you know how can you do how, you know how can you how can you do that you know what kind of authorization do you need you know can i do cpt um and uh, especially when it came you know time to apply for the for the opt um i i mean i still appreciate the fact that you know they had workshops and i actually attended those workshops mm -hmm. yes, yes. <laughs> um because you know i was i was by myself so nobody really like helping um or i you know i i didn't know at the time that you know i can go to an attorney for example um and even with that you know you wanna i mean they always tell us you know you have to let the international student center know what you're up to basically if you you know if you wanna if you don't wanna jeopardize your status so um so yeah i mean it was uh, you know well it, it was an okay experience in a sense yeah. that you know to have that um support to some extent but also it was um somewhat you know a, a negative experience i i want to say when you know you go and you know as i said every the answer to every question is no yeah yeah <laughs> but you mentioned you mentioned um your transition from high school to your tr oh, you yeah. mentioned that you came in from high you came into high school right that's a yeah. that's a path that is not too common to me i i think i've heard of like just two people have done that like is that common and is that would you say that's like a more like that gives you more time to kind of like have a feel of like the lay of the land and you know have a better opportunity when you graduate from college um i don't think it's common um it's just that it it happened that way um so it's not common because obviously you know public public high schools they cannot issue uh, i-20 okay um so um my you know private schools though they can so if this if you if you go to a private school um you know they can issue an i-20 and you can come on f1 i know that there's also exchange programs where you come and um i think it's it's on j or like for a couple of years and then uh you know then you go back but i was on an f1 uh because you know it was a private uh, private academy and um you know they obviously they you know they they could give uh, i-20s um i mean honestly it is i guess it is it was a good step for me personally 
because it gave me, um, you know, it gave me that three year, you know, stay in the United States prior to college. Uh, you, you could, you know, better prepared, um, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And um, I, as I said, I didn't really understand the whole international student at the time. I mean, you know, I was 16, so <laughs> it wasn't something that, you know, I was you know, thinking about. But I think the fact that, you know, I spent three years, you know, um, through the system and, uh, you know, basically learning, well, learning English was, you know, the priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, my, the academy that I attended was um, college, uh, college prep academy. Uh, so it gave me a good idea to, you know, what's going to be like in college, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it worked for me. Obviously, it's, um, I don't know, you know, some people say, you know, it's easier to get accepted if, you know, if you have a high school degree from here. I, I don't, I, I don't know about that. I've just heard other people say that. Um, you know, the journey is different for, for everybody, yeah. but I, you know, I'm, um, for me, it worked. Uh, so, so. So just one one follow up question in case if anyone who's who hasn't heard of this like myself, um, <laughs> do they do you also get like you know how when you come in and then you get your I twenty they give you the um, your I twenty expires at the end of your degree completion mm-hmm. for for the high school one does it go through college or it ends at the no, end? No 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 it was just tied to the high school program. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah I mean for me it was three years so that's from I mean what I remember like. 20 years ago uh, <laughs> it was it was for three years yeah because yeah. then when I you know when they uh went to college you know they had to I mean I had a new i20 so I had and I had to like you know do a new, new visa and stuff but yeah the i20 the you know it was for three for three years for the you know the, the program the high school program wow wow and what would you say was like your biggest culture shock moment <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess I, I guess there were many, but I think mainly. Um, <laughs> so mainly the fact that uh, so the the high, the high school was uh, in in California, um, and it was a actually an arts academy um, up in the mountains. So coming you know coming from uh, from Europe, where you know things obviously you know life is uh, way different than it's here and. Um, coming to a boarding school actually was a boarding school you know when there you know there was a curfew and you know like strict rules and all these things you know I was shocked I mean it almost felt like a prison because you know I wasn't used to that wow. kind of lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know it's boarding school so obviously they have to have their rules and you know if you have you know 200 300 students on campus obviously you have to you have to have strict rules um, of course I didn't understand that at the time I thought that you know this is like ridiculous but you know so that was one of the things that I saw I was just like wow I mean you know this is pretty strict and I never had curfew in my life and here you go (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that was you know that was one of the main you know one of the main things that I kind of struck me at the beginning um obviously you know the 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 way you know the the lifestyle everything is different um Mm -hmm. But, you know, I adjusted pretty quickly to that, so that wasn't too bad. So did you did you did you have other people from Bulgaria? Because I know like when I was in high school in England, all the Bulgarians were hanging out with themselves 
all the time and they would talk to like the africans like once in a while or we would all go to the same parties but after that they would hang out with themselves yeah. all the time um and that is very accurate observation we did have we were about for at the school we were about I, at the time i uh i came about 12 people uh from uh, from 12 students from bulgaria um and um i mean yeah we would hang out but you know the the goal because the goal was to you know learn english so that wasn't really helping you know if you're hanging out 24 7 yeah. uh with people that speak your language yeah. um i um yeah i mean we would hang out but it wasn't you know for example they didn't allow us to be roommates so i couldn't be a roommate mm. with uh, you know with anybody from you know from my country speaking you know speaking the same language yeah. Uh, because yeah. again the idea was to integrate fast and to learn english so they would um uh, in, if possible uh, you know they would put me with somebody uh, either you know some uh, either an american or somebody who spoke uh, good enough english uh, so that we can communicate and improve communication um, but yeah that's a very accurate observation on your part <laughs> <laughs> Um, what would you say was um, maybe like the toughest parts of you assimilating into the American culture? I know you've touched a bit on a few, but what would you say? I think the toughest, uh, the toughest part was, you know, uh, making friends and um, because I came, you know, when I, you know, before I came here, um, I had tons of friends, uh, you know, back home and um coming here by you know I, I came by myself so my you know my, my parents they, they they never moved here um you know coming here by myself you know no family uh, zero and uh, don't know anybody and no friends um and uh and also you know not speaking english is not helping either <laughs> with the friends part <laughs> Um, so I think that was, you know, that was probably the, the toughest part uh, because, you know, I mean, you know, friends are important, uh, especially close friends um, when, you know, your family is not, is not with you. Um, so, you know, getting, getting to that level where, you know, I can, you know, I, I can communicate and uh, meet people that I can trust. I think that was, that was one of the toughest, uh, the toughest parts. Um, uh, but it gets better with time um, and um, you know I in a sense I was lucky because the, the school I went to was you know it was very diverse and they had a lot of international students from all over the world so um, I was early on I was exposed to um, you know to, to a lot of you know a lot of different cultures um so i think that made it slightly easier um you know of course once i could communicate with people <laughs> <laughs> i feel that though <laughs> um so i just want to touch a bit on um your when you got to college right mm -hmm. did you you studied so your major in college was law or you no. did you did law after no. okay so yeah what's the reason like why did you decide to study law and why specifically immigration law because i do i have some close friends who are um in law school and anytime from the beginning when i ask them like oh what are you gonna specialize in they're like i don't know so i don't know if <laughs> <laughs> it's something you always wanted to do or it's something that you know evolved 
Yeah, so uh, so that it's that, that it's a very common answer, uh, like your friends. Uh, usually, people a lot of people don't know, um, and sometimes even if you even if you do know what you want to practice, and uh, and then you go to law school, uh, you can you can change your opinion a hundred and five times. Uh, so <laughs> before you graduate, you probably had you know as I said a hundred different ideas. Um, so very, very common. Uh, but for me, um, so when I went, when I started college, so I was, uh, so I said I was double major. I did, uh, so violin performance. Um, and that's how actually I came. I got a scholarship for high school, uh, to, you know, for a violin performance and then college, the same thing. But, um, but then I realized, um, after the first year that, you know, the classes that, you know, I, I, I was supposed to take, you know, as part of the curricula, um, and then uh, the classes that I was interested in taking, if I actually, you know, combine them and have a plan, I can add a second major um, so I can graduate with, you know, double major. Um, so with you know obviously talk to the college uh, the academic counselor i think that's what they call them and then um you know they they kind of guided me through um you know through that process where i can add a second major and you know basically combine the different classes that you know that, and i can graduate with you know the double major um so i think it was probably once i added the you know once i added the second major you know i had to take a few uh well actually it was only one law class it was international law of the curriculum at the time so um so i was you know it was interesting uh i mean i you know it wasn't amazing but it was interesting and <laughs> and um and then later you know later on a year or two later you know once i started actually you know uh experiencing the limitation of you know the f1 you know, talking to other people in the same situation or, you know, other other international students or immigrants in general that, you know, that I met, you know, in college and outside college at the time. Um, and everybody had their, you know, their struggles, their own story. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe, maybe I can go to law school in the immigration law. <laughs> So I think that's where it started, and obviously, you know, going through through my own process as well. Um, so I decided, you know, after I graduated college, I decided to, um, you know, basically finish with my violin performance career. And um, that was in 2006, that's when I graduated. And then, um, then I worked on OPT for one year, um, actually at a law firm, and. Um, kind of liked it, kind of didn't, but um, it was an immigration. Um, and then I went to law school knowing that I want to practice immigration. So um, unlike your friends, I knew uh, that I wanted to do immigration law. Um, that could have changed like with a lot of, you know, my classmates from law school, like, you know, the first year when it started, everybody's like, oh, you know, I want to do immigration, I want to do criminal law, I want to do whatever, you know, uh, business transactions. And then after like the first or second semester, you know, a lot of people was like, well, no, I changed my mind, you know, now <laughs> I want to do something else. Uh, because what happens is, you know, you take different classes and sometimes, you know, sometimes there are subjects that, you know, they, they just click with you. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, once you see, like, you know, spend one semester studying a subject and you really like it, then it's like, well, maybe, you know, I, I can make a career out of it. Yeah. Um, so that's why a lot of people change, you know, change their mind in law school. Or you get that internship that, you know, initially had no idea, like, you know, 
what it's like to work for the public defender's office and you get that internship uh, for for one semester for credit and then you, you just you know like you, you love it and it's like well that's what i want to do so that's why it changes all the time so your experience uh, didn't play like a role in it like your international student experience do you think that also factored yeah. into it Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big, big time, big time. Because as I said, you know, during college, a lot of my, you know, a lot of my friends and colleagues at the time, you know, they were international students, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was always surrounded by international students, and um, in you know, in college, and then obviously outside college, you know, my you know friends um, and other people uh, as well either went through the process or were going through the process um, or had some immigration status or issues at the time. So, so yeah, so definitely that inspired me um, yeah. to, to go to law school. Wow. And, um, you know, it, during like your college experience, I know you spoke a little bit about, you know, applying for jobs right after graduating and going to like uh law school and then getting some jobs and all of that so what was your experience like in terms of like securing a job and you know how did you really you know in the times of the rejections which we don't speak about sometimes you know how do you, how were you able to like pick yourself back up you know because i i have my own experience of when i've applied to jobs and literally it's like back to back Thank you for applying for the job. We'll save your resume. Thank you. You get like 10 emails right right, right after, you know, and sometimes it can be like, oh, I don't want to apply again. I'm so tired. I'm, I'm like, I don't want to do 50 cover letters in a day or something like that. So how were you able to like work through that and, you know, work through the rejection and like pick yourself back up and, you know, really like pursue like, you know, your goal till you got to the point of like, okay, I'm done working for Mr. A or company A. <laughs> I want to, you know, work, you know, for my own company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, jo- job searching or hunting, in, in, you know, in college, um, it was very different at the time um, because. So I was in college between 2002 and 2006. Um, obviously, we didn't have LinkedIn at the time. Uh, we didn't have the social media. We didn't have a lot of platforms um, and tools available today. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, um, it was mostly, um, you know, we were encouraged to, you know, get involved with a lot of events, you know, go to social hours, you know, with uh, like when companies come to campus and present and, you know, get in touch with people and so forth. So it was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of uh, networking, uh, in-person networking, basically, at the time. Um, and, uh, and I... I received a lot of help from the school uh, itself in a sense that, you know, from the different, uh, like, you know, the um, uh, the different advising offices and career center as well. Um, And some schools, you know, will will work uh, with international students to, to, you know, to help them, you know, navigate the, the job market. But one thing, you know, one thing that, you know, I would, I would say is um, it's, it, it just it comes down to your network. I know it's like everybody says that, but it, it, especially at the time, um, I mean, my, my first job uh, as a OPT, I worked, um, so I had two jobs. Um, I worked for the city of Dallas. 
um, and that came through one of my advisors uh, at the school uh, where um, for my second major and uh, I told them uh, you know this is you know this is what I want to do this is what I'm interested in and then she had connections at the time at the city of Dallas and then that's how that that thing <laughs> worked out um, but even you know if like I, I still remember when I you know when when they asked me to send my you know my documents um, you know, a copy of this, copy of that, and then when they saw my social security card that it said that it had that stamp, you know, not authorized to work without DHS, whatever. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they completely freaked out. <laughs> Because that you know, I was you know they've never seen that before, and then um, you know the, the person who was helping uh, with the process from the you know from the city, you know she, he called me immediately and he's like, oh my gosh, we haven't seen this, like what does it mean? I mean they're like literally freaked out, and I'm like, calm down, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know then I had to explain to them, you know this is what's happening and all that, and then he's like, I just want to know, you know, if you're authorized to work, and I'm like. Yes, I'm authorized to work. You know, here's the social security and here's the DHS authorization. You know, one yeah. plus one equals two. And um, so that, but that was, you know, that was through. As I said, you know, I, I, I was, I guess, I was lucky enough to, you know, to get it in terms of, you know, having that communication with my advisor, um, constant communication, basically. And um, when that opportunity, it was part time, but you know, it was. You know, and um, so, so yeah, so that was, you know, that was my experience in, um, you know, in college, but a lot of it, yeah, I applied, of course, to tons of other things, but obviously, you know, you get the rejection, uh, you know, thank you for your, for your resume, you know, you have, you know, great credentials, but not today. And, you know, kind of that. Initially, you know, initially, obviously, you know, I was I was upset, but as I said at the beginning, it kind of also motivated me to, you know, to just jump to the next thing and, um, um, in, in, you know, improve myself and say, okay, you know, like I'll I'll show you, you know, if, I, if you don't like me today, you know, you will regret tomorrow. I mean that that you know that in my head, I'm not saying. That. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that that was kind of that was my motivational you know factor because the reality is um, I mean you can be upset you know you, I know um, you know I know people get like really upset and depressed and you know like for weeks and months but at the end of the day you know that's not gonna help you get a job I mean it just it doesn't matter how how depressed or how upset you get. You know, if you don't, you know, snap out of it like quickly uh, within like a couple of days, um, you know, you that, that depression not gonna get you a job. Um, That's true. That's true. And, yeah. Um, you know, I've seen people crying. You know, when you know they get the the rejection, um, or you know, as I said, getting depressed, or you know, saying, "Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not worth it. I'm not good. I'm not this. I'm not." And that's not gonna help getting a job. It's just the, the way it is. So um, that always, you know, um, and even later, later on, like as an attorney, when I was like, you know, looking for jobs. Um, it was the same, even though, I mean, I, you know, I had my, you know, at the time when I started like looking for jobs as an attorney, I had my, uh, I was a permanent resident. So even as a permanent resident, I wow. mean, you know, like people, people you get rejection. Funny. 
It's the permanent residency will, you know, there's that misconception. Oh, once I get my permanent residency and it's just like, you know, people will start showering me with job offers. That never happens. Really? (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And even then, I mean, I think honestly, like the, the number of rejections that I got, you know, later as a permanent resident, it's probably more than the number. Um, It's just the the market, it's just the way things work and um, you know, I would, you know, I would get, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go through the different interview processes and, you know, interview five people, you know, like, you know, spend a month interviewing with different companies and then at the end they'll be like, oh, you know, we we decided to go with somebody else. So frustrating. Yeah, it even didn't get to the, oh, are you authorized to work in the United States? You know, so it's uh, some people, um, yes, I mean, there are companies and, you know, employers that, you know, right at the bat will tell you, like, you know, oh, you know, we don't sponsor, but there are others that, you know, they, they, you know, that's, you know, that's, they're not going to tell you that. So some people think that, oh, I didn't get hired because of my status, not necessarily. I mean, even if you, as I said, even if you're a permanent resident or you're a citizen later, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, the, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky, the, the job. Um, so would you say like, work. you know, in some of the jobs you got, like just having that, you know, international experience of, of like, you know, coming outside of the country and like, you know, I think, you know, there's like, we have that kind of superpower of having to see another country and like, you know, some of the things we've seen, like it also plays a part in like, you know, just being a little bit more exposed than someone who's like, you know, been here all their life and things like that. So would you say that gave you like a little bit of edge in like, you know, just being an immigration attorney? So when you would go to represent these companies and things like that, you know, you could really relate with like you know someone who's you know trying to help someone out even with your practice now would you say that give that gives you like an edge um yes yes it does but depends depends on who i'm working with so um with you know when i was applying for jobs um if you know if the employer or the company you know if they didn't have um i mean they would have you know obviously need for uh for immigration attorney but the thing is they they couldn't understand um you know the that added value that you know we have the experience that we have from you know being more exposed and well traveled and so forth so if the if the company or the employer doesn't cherish that then they don't care about your uh, experience on, you know, of course, there are employers who do care about, you know, their, you know, their attorney or, you know, their employees um, being, you know, well-traveled, you know, have more experience and mm-hmm. they see that as, as value to their company. Um, of course, that's an edge for you. Uh, as an international, as an international student, or, or as a, as a, or as an immigrant, so it just depends on, you know, it depends on the, depends on the employer, and depends, you know, on their mission, and depends on what they're looking for. Um, generally, smaller employers um, will not care much about, you know, people being, you know, well traveled, and <laughs> um, you know, not, I, you know, I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna sound rude, but that, that's how things are. Um, 
obviously, you know, bigger employers with more diverse workforce, um, then, you know, then things will change. And if you have that international background, obviously, you know, that's that's a plus. Um, and that will give you definitely will give you an edge in the interviewing process. So I guess, yeah, I guess you have to, you know, you have to research the, the employer um, and, you know, see see whether you know what is their mission statement um and also now it's you know way easier now with you know things like linkedin um what was the other thing last door um where you know people can review employers with linkedin it's easier because you know you can obviously you can um, research the employer but you also can see the employees working for that employer on linkedin yes. so you know you can kind of assess you know what is you know what is that employer looking for by just by looking at the people working for that employer um so yeah nowadays it's much easier to obviously to to do your you know research on employers and employees and so forth okay um so we're going to take a quick break um just so we can get ourselves together (laughs) so um something that we've touched on i think um, Dorina touched on it. Um, networking. I think you mentioned your uh, your advisor helped you get a job or something like that. Yeah. So I just wanted to just emphasize that because networking is something that we tend to stress on um, as an international student. Networking is like the most important part of your journey. Like yeah. I think that's how we even connected with Dorina. So <laughs> definitely, <Yeah. laughs> just and, wanted and, to. And- and I was going to add, like, don't wait till it's time to look for a job. Exactly. Don't wait till, yeah. like, you know, it's like a month to you're thinking, okay, I would like an internship. Once you come in, once, you know, you are able to, like, mm-hmm. you know, your classmates, your professors, you know, talk to them, network with them, add them on LinkedIn, like, you know, so that when it's time, it's not like you have to, like, start forging a whole new relationship. They're, yeah. they're kind of aware of, like, you know, where your head is at, what kind of job you like, you know, it's easy to then progress from there. Yeah. And and just to also, like, um, compliment what she said, I also got my first um, internship because of my advisor, because he knew people and connected me. I was like, oh, this is my, um, my student, so why don't you you know set up an interview with her and that's how easy it was so um definitely make good use of networking um we know you have your own practice and recently you had an event that i had the privilege of attending (laughs) for international (laughs) students um you know to provide more information um what led you to um set up this event and open your practice and you know start advocating for um international students so for, for the event, first for the event, um, obviously, um, you know, we all know, uh, I mean, uh, immigration attorneys and OPT uh, students and STEM OPT students that H1B cap is around the corner. So, um, so they, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons I, that I decided, okay, you know, let's do an informational, uh, you know, webinar on the, you know, on the cap, you know, minimum requirements, you know, who qualifies, what you need to do and the process and so forth. 
Um, so that was, you know, that was one of the reasons. The, the other reason is because I decided to do it because, you know, of the new administration, you know, the new um, new regulations, old regulations, you know, people were freaking out about, you know, different things like wage levels and, you know, new lottery system and so forth. So I just, you know, just wanted to provide some information in terms of, you know, what's at least at least for right now, what we know. And, uh, you know, just for some people who don't know anything about the H-1B, just very basic information. So that was the, that was the idea um, behind uh, setting up that webinar, I think it was last week or the previous week. So what um, kind of um, pushed you to want to advocate for international students with your practice? Um, well, I was one back in the day, so <laughs> so that's uh, you know that that always stays with me. Um, I cannot escape from you know being an international student. Um, so so that's you know obviously that's the driving force. But also the other you know the other reason is um, you know things have gotten really complicated. And for international students, um, it was way easier, you know, back in the day um, in terms of, you know, processes and, um, you know, it was still a challenge, obviously, you know, getting a job and, you know, navigating. But I feel like right now, especially in the last four years, um, international students and, you know, immigrants um, and other groups, you know, have been sort of uh, demonized to a sense. And people don't understand, um, you know, people that are not exposed to international students, uh, they they don't understand the value that you know they add to uh, to to America. And I feel that that's really um, it's just you know it's just a sad state of affairs when it comes to you know to international students and immigrants in general, and how um, you know nobody really I mean not nobody but people that are not exposed or don't know any anybody who is an international student can you know quickly sort of you know just by listening um, you know tv and other people say oh you know they, they don't add anything or you know they should go home or you know like all these comments that you know, yeah. get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even even on linkedin you know like sometimes i'll get like you know really nasty comments um yeah. <laughs> when i post things um so i think that was i mean th- those two are basically the driving you know the driving force uh behind you know the idea of advocating for international students Wow, I think that's um, beautiful. And I think, you know, it, it just goes back to even just like the LNS District podcast, you know, in terms of us being international students as well. It's like, you know, there's things like now we want to like let people know, like, you know, how to engage, how to navigate, you know, what processes can you follow? What options can you take? And I think um, it's really great because now we're like advocating for like, you know, people who are coming in no matter where you are in your international student like journey or even an immigrant professional um we're letting them know like hey there's this option of this and you know don't think like you have to be tied down you know i i actually saw a quote somewhere that says like you know international student don't dim your light you know especially when it comes to like jobs when it comes to like you know applying for scholarship you tend to be like oh because they're going to apply for h1b for me i'll just like take this little salary they're going to give you something <laughs> no. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put something out there because I'm I'm on H1B I don't want them to know I have this view on this or that yeah. you know so and, and I think you know it's us that have been in that situation that can actually advocate for other international students as well so I, I, I think we really really commend you and you know your practice and 
I couldn't get into the webinar you did. So are you <laughs> going to have upcoming events? Because I'm sure like people were like, what? What? I couldn't get in like trying, trying multiple times. So yeah. More yeah, I apologize for that. I got like a few, uh, you know, emails. People were not too happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened and, you know, I didn't, you know, didn't realize that on time. What happened was, so they were, um, I think I had about 600 people that were registered, if I remember correctly, for the, for the webinar. But then um, the license I have for Zoom allows 100 people to be on the live webinar. So I didn't realize that on time yeah. uh, <laughs> to upgrade to the next license so that it can be yeah. more. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what happened. Um, not that you know I was just kicking people out like you know personally. <laughs> like oh I don't like you know not today. No. <laughs> um, I I mean. I don't have anything planned as of today, but if okay. there is interest, I can I can do another round of the same, you know, H1B webinar, obviously, okay. uh, so more people can, uh, you know, can attend the, the webinar if that's going to be helpful. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, especially with the with the cap, the H one B cap coming up, um, yes. you know, I might I might do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful. Um, so currently, is there anywhere right now people can like go to like review the webinar, or should they just like wait till so you like, I will, post up more information about it? Yeah, I will upload okay. the the webinar on my uh, YouTube channel. Um, okay. It's not very active yet. I'm working on it, but there's uh, there are a few videos from previous webinars um, okay. that I had, um, and uh, yeah, it will be on my uh, YouTube channel um, maybe next week. Um, okay. Okay. Um, what would you say is like the biggest misconception about international students coming from the side of employers, and how as international students can we um, kind of Prove them wrong, if that's the... <laughs> <laughs> um, so one uh, one of the biggest misconceptions, and in, you know, it doesn't apply to everybody, but um, just you know, talking to to employers, you know, now you know, on the side of being an immigration attorney, sometimes the employers, um, if if the international student, uh, let's say uh, they, um, you know, they don't speak English. You know, they're not, they don't come from the UK or they don't come from, you know, basically English is a second language or third language for some people or even fourth. Um, sometimes the employer, the misconception is that, oh, you know, maybe they're not good at their work. If they, you know, if English is their like, you know, fifth language, uh, because some people do speak five languages. Um, so that's a huge misconception. <laughs> Um, so that, you know, that's something, you know, the employers, especially employers that they haven't had international students working for them. Um, they have to be educated uh, on that point where, you know, no, that doesn't translate to them not being, you know, like good at their work, uh, you know, has nothing to do with that. So that's one thing that I have, you know, I have uh, seen uh, from the employers, uh, you know, from the employer's perspective. Um, others, uh, you know, the others will be more, um, you know, cultural in a sense, you know, some, some international students, you know, it's not common in their culture to uh, brag about themselves, um, where in the United States, uh, that's what you do. 
if you if you don't brag about yourself here in the United States, that is taken as a weakness, or that you know you're not qualified, uh, or um, whatever other misconception you know that employer will have just because in your culture it's not customary or it's not common. Um, to basically, you know, uh, raise a hand and say, oh, you know, I did all these things and I'm great and, you know, I'm the best in my field. Um, so in some culture that, uh, cultures, that's not acceptable versus in the United States, that's what you have to do. <laughs> Sometimes if you don't do that, then the employer is like, oh, maybe they're not that good or maybe they haven't really accomplished much because you're not the same. Interesting. And I mean, I had my, you know, my own, you know, experience uh, the same, you know, I'm not a, you know, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to brag or I, you know, just trying to keep more to myself, but, you know, often that backfires here in the United States. Um, yeah. So that's something, you know, um, that's why it's very important when you, you know, when you come right, you know, right away to get integrated and, you know, meet enough people to see how basically how things work here. And, um, you know, start acting accordingly. Um, even even if you, even if you don't feel like it, but if that's gonna get you the job, uh, then you know it's it's worth the exercise. That's what I would you know I would say. And the other thing about the the network, going a little bit back the, about the networking, start early like day one, um, because often um, when you get hired. Uh, a lot of the times you get hired because they like you as a person, not because necessarily, be I mean, you have the qualifications, but not, you know, they, they will hire you because they like you. And to, to get to that liking point, it takes time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I have a question. So if like there is um, like an international student or professional like listening and you applied for a job, they like you, but however they tell you like oh we've never like filed any of these things for anyone before and we really like you but we don't know the process or like we don't know how much it's gonna cost like what's the first step the person should take to like engage with the company to say okay well this is this you fill out like what's the first step <laughs> Um, so the first step is for, for the international students to, um, or student in, in this case, uh, to let the employer know that um, if it's not a scary process. Um, there's a lot of misconception out there that this is the scariest thing ever. Um, it's not a scary process that they, you know, they can, um, you know, they can engage uh, obviously an immigration attorney if they want to, who will help them. You know, who will help them navigate through the through the process. And um, sometimes, you know, when the employer hear that, employers hear that, they will tell the international students, well, you know, why don't you like, you know, find somebody. Um, so they will, and sort of the international student will drive that process to the extent, um, only to the extent where to connect the employer with the, you know, with the attorney, uh, whoever, you know, that person going to be or firm, because generally speaking, I mean, the H1, H1B and most of the employment based, you know, immigration, it's empl employer driven. So the international student cannot really say, oh, I'm going to pay for my fees, uh, that, you know, that. Um, you know, I'm gonna do the documents, I'm gonna engage with the attorney and all these things. So they cannot do that. But they, what they can do is they can say, well, you know, um, 
it's not, you know, my understanding is as an international student and talking to other people in the same situation, it's not, it's not a scary process. It's, um, you know, it's, we can, you know, we can engage an attorney, they will help, you know, they will help us and the employer go through the, through the process. And um, that's, that's how they can drive uh, that conversation up until the point where, as I said, they will just, um, and then, you know, if they find the, you know, if they find an immigration attorney, then they have to connect that attorney with, uh, with the employer. And then, then it's a relationship between the employer and the attorney. Mm-hmm. So they, the international students should never tell employer, I will pay for my fees uh, because they cannot. <laughs> wow, that's really good. <laughs> and I think that's something you stressed a lot in the, the webinar that you did. Yeah, so take notes. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. So, um, you know, as you said, with the um, OPT H1B season, you know, the caps coming to like, you know, coming very soon. What are some like tips? advice like students should be like looking out for and you know to really please themselves for like the best especially sorry especially now that we're still in the middle of a pandemic and people are not really hiring like that so (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so so obviously um now is the time um to start those conversations with the employers uh hopefully you know people already started because it's end of january um the biggest tip uh and the most obvious it's always you know start start early don't wait until you know it's like you know february uh, end of february and then you don't know if the employer is gonna like you know sponsor you or you know you're gonna they're gonna uh, put you in the i mean register you for the for the lottery so start you know start now um hopefully you know people already started um and then uh, have that conversation with the with the employer and um not only you know whether they're going to sponsor or not but you kind of have to have an idea in terms of you know do you qualify what is that job like you know what is the job title uh what kind of duties you know you you know the employer will require you to to perform as part of that job duty i mean a job description and um sort of you know start um start these conversations and because once once you have the the job title the job duties then it comes the you know the million dollar question you know what what will be the salary mm-hmm. <laughs> so um usually actually that's the first question you know a lot of both employers and employees ask it's like okay so what is you know uh, what, what is going to be the salary for for this position uh for this job title well that's determined by the the job duties so job title itself it's not it's not really going to determine the the salary um, so all of these conversations that they need to be happening right now so that everybody's on the same page in terms of the student, I mean, the employee uh, and, the, and the employer, because you don't want to be in a situation where employer says, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll sponsor, you know, we'll put in the, you know, we'll register you with the lottery um, uh, starting March 1st. And, and then it happens that you, you know, the, your application gets picked and then the employer comes and says, okay, so how much uh, are we going to pay you? And then the attorney says, well, it has, it has to be like $85,000 or whatever the number is. And the employer at that time says, oh, no, we cannot pay that much. So basically, and then they're not going to file for you. So you, you don't want to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why these, you know, these conversations and uh, negotiations, they need to start now. Mm-hmm. So the you know when you you know when you register and then hopefully uh, your application gets picked, 
then you know the only thing remaining would be actually filing the, the H1B. Um, so that's you know that's one tip. I mean those were like multiple, but uh, <laughs> and then um, the other one is if you sometimes people do have multiple employers filing for them, so that way you can increase your chance of I guess getting you know uh, picked in the lottery. So if you have multiple employers interested in filing for you they can you know they can put in a i mean they can register you for the for the lottery it cannot be the mm -hmm. same employer um doing multiple registration you know they will cancel um the, uh, each other um so if you some people do have multiple employers and say okay we'll uh, you know we'll put in a registration for you registration for the employer is ten dollars so it's not gonna you know break the bank um, that way, you know, you have two employers basically petitioning, I mean, not petitioning yet, but just for the registration. So maybe you will increase your chance. Um, oh, beautiful. Yes. So I hope international students listening, it won't be <laughs> like follow her on LinkedIn. I know she's always like posting stuff that we should be looking out for. Um, obviously, when the webinar comes up on her YouTube page, watch it again so that you can make sure like you're on track, get tips, advice and things like that. So what other ways can people like reach you, reach your practice, you know, um, if they want to engage with you and like talk to you and things like that? Um, so obviously, as you mentioned, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so uh, people can um, you know follow me on, on LinkedIn or connect on, on LinkedIn. Um, also, the the website uh, Um I'm on Twitter as well, uh, although not too active on there. <laughs> um, but yeah, mainly uh, mainly LinkedIn. So that's that's uh, yeah that's um, and if you you know if I don't respond to your message, it happens because sometimes I get you know a lot of messages, and um, you know you can always send me an email. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, this conversation has been very, very refreshing for me and I'm sure for so many other international students listening. Um, so we just want to say thank you so much for taking time out and, you know, coming to talk to us and hopefully we'll have you back soon. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully it was somewhat helpful to, to your very, audience. Very, very, yes. very helpful. Thank you for joining us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and it's been thought-provoking for you. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. Leave us a comment with your thoughts and your own personal experiences as it relates.